You may be seated. My mentor is home and with the Lord now. His name is Pastor Lloyd Johnson. Ministered for over 30 years at Twin Cities Bible Church. And he preached a sermon from Acts chapter 8 on baptism, November 6, 2016. And many of the thoughts from this message come from Lloyd Johnson's message on baptism from that date. I wish you could have known him. One of the best, most stable human beings I know. And one, a great expositor of God's Word. Let's go to the Lord in the word of prayer. None of that counts towards my time. Father, thank you for the opportunity to explore the truth of your great salvation, the substance of it, by faith alone, and then the symbol of it in water baptism. Lord, there's much confusion on this topic, and there's much joy to be had. So Holy Spirit, come and minister through your word today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You have a bulletin insert that might be helpful if you don't want to turn to the passage, because of many passages we're going to be turning to today. If you can turn quickly, you can follow with me. We have the privilege in our service today of witnessing the ordinance of baptism. Six of our number desire to follow the Lord's command and they desire to make an outward expression of their spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. And today we're going to answer three important questions about baptism by a sort of a jet tour, taking a tour through a few passages, mostly in the book of Acts, but going to other New Testament passages, and then we're going to end on an Old Testament passage that maybe we haven't ever considered as connected to the ordinance of baptism. First then, the first question is, why do we baptize? Again, if you want to take notes, there's a bulletin insert for you. Why do we baptize? The reason that these six are going to be baptized is because it's the Lord Jesus' command. It's the Lord's command. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The word of the Lord at the end of Matthew, the risen Christ, is sufficient warrant to follow His word in the baptism of believers. No Further texts really are necessary. This is the word of our Christ. But realize secondly, why we baptize is that it was the practice of the early church. 
Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 37, we're going to read about the converts at the day of Pentecost after Peter's amazing sermon really built on Psalm 16. Verse, after his sermon is over, look at the response to the Word of God. I hope you have this response as well today. Verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So why do we baptize? Because it is the Lord's command and the practice of the early church. Second question is, who should be baptized? Who should be baptized? Well, we're in Acts 2. We ended there with verse 38, but let's keep reading. Let's pick it up in verse, uh, at the, after verse 38. So let's keep reading. For the promise is for you, this is verse 39 of Acts 2, the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to Himself. And with many other words, He solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Look at verse 41. It's important. Who should be baptized? Verse 41, So then, those who had received His Word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Added to what? The church. The church in Jerusalem. How do I know? Verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Again, the order. Who should be baptized? Those who had received the Word then they were baptized. They made the good confession. They went public with their faith before other believers. And they were added to the local church in Jerusalem. So Peter here is saying that the believer is to demonstrate outwardly in a public manner what has occurred inwardly and spiritually in his heart. That he has repented of his sins. And this repentance has led to the forgiveness of those sins. But, Peter also commands that these converts in Acts 2 be baptized in the name of Jesus. Of course, baptism was a, a form uh, practicing by John the Baptist. And so this came into, into Christianity and was built upon upon this, and now we're being baptized in the name of Jesus for the building up of the church and the spread of the gospel. Now what I want to do now, who should be baptized? Believers ought to be baptized. Those who receive the word ought to be baptized. I want you to see this in an actual account of baptism in the book of Acts. And it's all there for you. And I'm going to turn to this place. Acts chapter 8. Turn to Acts chapter 8. And we're going to find verse 25. 
This is about the Ethiopian eunuch that you've heard about that receives Christ. And the preacher in this case is not Peter, but another man named Philip. Verse 25. So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many of the villages of the Samaritans. But, something a little bit strange happens. Listen to this. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. And Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, Well, how could I? unless someone guides me. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water. Philip as well as the eunuch. And he baptized him. When they had come out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch was no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. Rejoicing because he had just passed out of death and into life. He had just received the forgiveness of sins. And then he immediately said, Look! Water! What prevents me from being baptized? And he went under the water having believed in the Gospel. And it's a source of much joy today rejoicing about what happened to him. So, this leads us then to our third question. What happened to the eunuch that day? Let's answer our third question then. What spiritual reality does water baptism represent? What spiritual reality does water baptism represent? 
So in Acts chapter 10, the next verse, Peter was privileged to preach the gospel to the Gentiles for the first time in history in this format at Cornelius' home. So while Peter was preaching, literally while he was still speaking, Acts 10 verse 44 says this, The Holy Spirit fell on all them that heard the word. Peter then inquired, Can any man forbid water that these would not be baptized which have received the Holy Spirit as well as we? Then he commanded him to be baptized in the name of the Lord. So, the word was preached, right? They were, the Spirit was poured out upon them. They believed in Christ. They received the word. And they gave evidence of that. And Peter says, wow, they've been saved. God, God is saving the Gentiles. We should now, what? Baptize them in water because they have received the Holy Spirit like us. What does that mean, the gift of the Holy Spirit in this place? What actually happens the moment you trust in Christ? Well, Paul tells us what this means in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one Spirit... We were all baptized into... Listen to the watery language. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And we were all made to drink of one Spirit. So listen carefully. At the moment of faith, at the moment of turning from sin to Jesus, to put your faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon you. You were baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ, into His body. You were immersed into the head. You were immersed into Jesus Christ. And you were immersed, you were plunged spiritually into the body of Christ. You were united with Him from the very moment you believe. The substance is baptism by the Holy Spirit into Jesus Christ where you're united with Him. That's amazing. Let's find out why it's so amazing by looking at our next passage about what spiritual reality does water baptism represent. Look at now Romans chapter 6. If you can turn there, you can go quickly. Romans chapter 6. And Pastor Jim has been in Romans 6, so this is perfect. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 6. Says this. Of believers, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death. Therefore, we have been buried with Him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. 
For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For He who has died is freed from sin. Listen carefully. Romans 6 is not baptism in water. Romans 6 is being immersed by the Holy Spirit into Christ at the moment of faith. This is baptism into Christ. This is not accomplished by a minister dunking you in water. This is the real thing whereby the Holy Spirit baptizes or immerses you and unites you to Christ. By the Spirit, this is incredible, the believer becomes one with Christ and receives all that Jesus has done and all that He is as a man is given to you. This is a Indeed, a miracle and a thing that the human mind cannot fully understand. This is a spiritual, this is an unseen act that occurs the moment you put your faith in Christ. Listen to what happened to you. You are united to Jesus. Jesus was crucified, so you were crucified with him. Jesus was buried, so you were buried with him. Jesus was raised from the dead and so you also walk in in newness of life. Jesus ever lives to intercede for you so that you would ever live before God in Him. All that He is, we have through faith alone in union with Jesus Christ. That moment when you were plunged into Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit the moment you believed. This is what Jesus has done to save us. And water baptism is a perfect symbol of our union with Christ. Think of it. Dying with Him, going under the water. Rising up with Him in newness of life. The substance is being immersed into Jesus Christ by the Spirit. The symbol is water baptism making the good confession that that indeed has happened to me. And that's what these six are doing today. Now Jesus came to save us. What are we united to? Well, there was an Old Testament passage written 700 years before Jesus came and Isaiah tells us all that Jesus did in Isaiah 53 is yours if you have trusted in Christ. All of it. The moment you believe because you're united with Him and the Spirit has baptized you into Jesus by faith. What passage was the Ethiopian eunuch reading when Philip joined him in that chariot? Isaiah 53. Are you talking about... Is is Isaiah talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And from that passage, Philip says that he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the Messiah. And from that passage, he preached Christ to him. So, I want you to turn to that place, and it's in your notes. 
Turn to Isaiah 53 with me. Isaiah 53. Let's start in verse 4. Surely, Isaiah 53 verse 4, Surely our griefs He Himself bore, and our sorrows He carried, yet we ourselves esteemed Him stricken. smitten of God and afflicted. But He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon Him. And by His scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to His own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. So all of the sins of everyone who would ever believe, all of your sins have fallen already upon the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. He was oppressed, verse 7, and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living? For the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned with wicked men. Yet he was, a, he was with a rich man in his death. So he's buried in the tomb, in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. He died, and you died with him. You were buried with him. But he came up from the grave. Why did he do that? Because he had done no violence. There was no deceit in his mouth. There was no sin that could keep him in the grave. So he must come up from the grave. Now look at verse 10. He doubles down. This is what has happened to you in Christ, believer. Verse 10, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief if he would render himself as a guilt offering. If he would do that, if he would go through it and go to the cross as a guilt offering for your sin, then here's the promise that Isaiah makes, that God makes through him. He will see his offspring. That's you. He will prolong His days. That's the resurrection. If He will go through with it, because He is sinless, He will see His offspring. He will rise up from the grave. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper. And is still prospering in His hand. In fact, as the result, verse 11, of the anguish of His soul, He will see it. And He will be satisfied as Jesus said, it has been finished. Tetelestai, it is finished. God said, sin is gone. And He proved it when He came up from the grave. He will see it and be satisfied. By His knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many. And He will bear their iniquities. 
Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great. A dead person doesn't get allotted a portion with the great. His death is yours. His burial is yours. His portion, his inheritance is yours by faith alone. And he will divide the booty with the strong. Why? Because he went through with it. Because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. And he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Now listen to me. And you guys listen carefully. These who are being baptized today are declaring that they believe that Isaiah 53 spoke of Jesus Christ. They're also declaring that everything that he accomplished in Isaiah 53 is, is theirs through faith in Jesus Christ. All of it is theirs. They are declaring that they are united to the Messiah's death, burial, and resurrection. They are declaring that it was their griefs that He bore. That he bore. They are declaring that their sorrows He has carried. That He is pierced for their transgressions. That He is crushed for their iniquities. They are saying that they have gone astray like sheep. And they are saying that the Lord has caused their iniquity to fall upon the sinless Savior. And they're saying that this servant, the righteous one, has justified them by bearing their iniquities as far as the east is from the west. And they have believed that He is alive from the grave and they are alive in Him and He has been allotted a portion with the great and His inheritance is their inheritance and His life is their life and He is alive and He is well and He has borne away their sins and He ever lives to intercede for them as He interceded for the transgressors. And they have believed from the heart and they have said, why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I be baptized? He's done this for me. I want to make the good confession. Look! Water! For they have believed that the suffering servant, the righteous one, Jesus Christ, has died and lived for them. That's the testimony of Susanna, Lydia, Ellie, Alex, Oliver, and Mateo. Just before we get to hear those testimonies, before I begin our baptism service, let me ask you where you stand today. Where do you stand? Have you heard the good news from Isaiah 53, 700 years before Jesus came? Has it come home to your heart? Have you trusted Christ? If you do today, today, your sins can be gone. You can be alive in Christ and have a place in heaven forever because He would remove your sins as far as the east is from the death. If you have believed, as the eunuch has believed, have you understood the importance of water baptism? Have you demonstrated publicly that inner faith, that conversion by which He gave you 
The Spirit immersed you into Jesus Christ, forgiving your sins and clothing you with the righteousness of Christ the moment you believed. Have you gone public? If not, it's a thing yet undone in your walk with Christ. If, on the other hand, you're like the eunuch when, Paul, when Philip first arrived and you don't understand any of it, how could I? Then I'd like to be your Philip. Let me come up into your chariot sometime. Then let's talk about the one who lived and died for you. So today as we observe this ordinance, listen to these testimonies. And may God move your heart to dedicate your whole life to Him. Today can be the day of your salvation. This day.